You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Billings. Billings. But do you feel safe? Four or five. He, feels, he feels safe. He feels like, like a comfort blanket for us. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that. Hello and welcome to Rainstop Play and welcome to another T20 World Cup episode. We have what's happened since we were last on air to chat about. We have a little bit of news and we're going to preview the semi-finals which are coming up later this week. Once again, attendance is full for Rainstop Play. Very exciting. Uh, Glenn, how are you? What, you're looking very close at the camera. What are you looking at? Yeah, I just see Will's room looked a little bit messy. I was trying to oh, see yeah, if Will's I could pull him in the great state. <laughs> I was just trying to think if there's anything I could reference. That's why I was doing like a Neil Warnock-esque like stare into the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> How are you? Just anyway? a little bit okay. messy. You good? Yeah, I'm all right. A bit sick of this tournament, as we're all going to mention today. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not done it for me, nor probably any of us. But we'll save that discourse for five minutes' time. <laughs> good, yeah. There will be a full vibe check coming up from the rest of the team. Uh Zach, how are you? What's going on? Did you, how was that rail replacement service? I'm sure listeners have been eagerly waiting to hear about. Was it was it smooth? Was it okay? There was actually some beef around a cello on the rail replacement bus. I I think I had I had two two cases of, <laughs> of the weird things weird things on Southwest trains or Southwest trains rail replacements in a week. I had a bloke drunkenly trying to bribe the bribe the guard to go faster to get to Bournemouth. Yep. <laughs> Because it was like two hours, I should have flown. And then a week later, I'm getting a rail replacement bus, and there's someone with a cello. It's a girl with a cello. She's she's put it on a seat next to her, so a guy has nicely moved to then sit next to me. And um, the bus driver's like, "Is there space for it? Where are you going to sit?" And then the guy just gets really angry at him. The guy then sat next to me, and it just starts swearing at him, saying, "There's no problem with the cello," and just like effing and everything. And then the bus driver's like, "Well." Do you want to effing get off the bus then? It was like, this just come from nowhere. Oh, there was class. absolutely no problem. Bit of cello then, beef. We're all here for that. Up, yeah, it ended up being okay. We all got the bus. It got us to Southampton Airport Parkway early. And then they shook hands as they got off the bus. And oh, so, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let bygones be bygones. I've never seen, never seen two people have beef on a bus and shake hands and just get on with their day. <laughs> They'd had an hour, you know, to... Well, one like, of them to drive and the other both regret it over. <laughs> Why the hell am I swearing at a man who's arguing about a cello? Anyway, that was fun. Uh, beef with cellos, that's, that's the episode name. Uh, finally, Will is here. How are you? I don't think you heard Glenn was just, just saying your room looks a bit messy. It is a bit. It needs, it needs to tidy up. I'm I'm slightly out of boxes and, and suitcases at the moment because this isn't my room, but I, I live here. So it's, it's a room. Yeah, it's a room. <laughs> <laughs> great great for a podcast this is a chat about everything going on behind will visually um so let's get stuck in then boys like i said it's more t20 world cup uh the semi-finalists are locked in we have a few group games to discuss most of which we'll ignore because they were all pointless um and there will be some discourse there but first news uh breaking today 
an Australia tour to Pakistan. Looks like it's going to go ahead. Well, in principle, uh, Zach, fill us in on this one. Let everybody know what's what's hopefully going to happen and what will be quite an exciting tour. Yeah, so this was always meant to be happening early next year. It was in the Future Tours program. But since the New Zealand and England pullouts, it was almost kind of a foregone conclusion that Australia would also pull out because... As we've seen over the last couple of years, Australia don't really like playing test cricket away from home. They haven't done much of it for a long time. So it was kind of expected. Oh, New Zealand and England have pulled out. Obviously, Australia are going to pull out. Tim Payne doesn't like travelling, but he'll see you at the Gabba on the 8th. Um, but there are going to be three test matches across. Uh, the first one's in Karachi. The second one is in Rawalpindi. And the third one is in Lahore. Start, the first one starts on the 3rd of March next year. Then there are three ODIs, all in Lahore. And one T20, because they don't need more T20Is, really, do we? As no. we're, I, I hope, hope we can come on to with our vibe check. We don't want more T20Is, do we, Will? Will, do you want to go, do you want to use this as part of your, there's too much cricket chat? I think we've, we can squeeze this in if you want right now, or do you want to come back later? Where do you want to go with this? Well, as, as Glenn said in our group chat, the irony is we can't fit in. There's too much cricket discourse because we don't have any time because there's too much cricket. But no, I mean, we all love cricket, so it's fine. But the fact that India are playing a T20 series against New Zealand in less than two weeks' time oh, can't wait. is insane. Well, the <laughs> appetite for that is zero. I can't think of anything. Zero. Else. Negative. So zero. Yeah. Even India don't want to be there. All the, literally all the players are just like, no, we're not going. Yeah. Don't fancy it. On the other hand, a test series for New Zealand in India, I am excited for. Yes. That's good cricket. We like, that we're, a, we're that's, fine with that. Is that a thing that's occurring soon? It's after the T20I series. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Two test series just before the Ashes as well. So just nice. get us warmed okay, up. That'll keep us all going. See, I'm, we can, there's nice bits of cricket. I think what we have to do, this is what I did with the end of the IPL, is just tune out. Just, just, <laughs> what, what was the, just call it a day with it because then you forget it exists. Don't get angry about how boring <laughs> it is. And then you come back a little bit refreshed. And I did, did that for this World Cup and now I'm tired again. I can barely <laughs> remember who won the IPL all the hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Jasmine Zaglin? <laughs> we all had really puzzled looks. I wasn't sure if we were trying to remember who won the IPL. No, trying no, to remember no. who won the 100. Because <laughs> I couldn't remember either. Um, no, yeah, no, I mean... none of us, literally none of us know, Glenn. We can't answer that. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that silence out. That's perfect. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was just, I just think it's funny that we're a cricket podcast and uh, our host's advice for listeners is just tune out. You might as well turn us off while you're at it. Why listen to us? <laughs> What was that thing in the 60s with acid? Tune in, drop out, you know, drop out. Like, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe we can cut there, Glenn. This is the All of this is staying in. This is what happens every time we try and do is there too much cricket discourse it yeah. descends into it's chaos and we don't we, we, we normally never do it this early either this is what happens when I, I actually leave my desk and go and do work for a day i actually have to you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm exhausted i'm advising two people to take acid let's move on um azim rafiq we're going to have a special on this um because it is worth more than 15 minutes at the start of an episode since we, when we were last on chatting about it on Monday, that whole week was pretty chaotic and it started to snowball and dominate the national news cycle here in the UK. Um, Will, do you want to do a, a real quick little where we are now sort of thing? And then hopefully our special we're going to record after the parliamentary hearing at some point next week. Yeah. So as you said, we sort of we didn't want to keep tagging it on in 10 minute intervals at the news pod and clash it with the World Cup because there is so much that's happened since last yeah. week. Um, but I'll just update people because I assume most people will be familiar with the background now. We've ju- we've had a little bit more breaking news today. Um, so most people will know that the previous chair of Yorkshire um, resigned in a slightly weird way after all of the chaos last week. He basically quit and threw everybody else on the under the bus and said, I was the only anti-racist person in the whole of Yorkshire <laughs> County Cricket Club. <laughs> I kept trying to not get us to release these horrific statements that were put out in my name, um, but I had to because the rest of the board are a bunch of useless whatevers. He's the only person who's lost his job out of all of this. Um, they've hired a new chairperson who did a press conference uh, this afternoon um, who is Lord Patel, who, you know, seems he says all the right things, seems like a pretty useful guy, had a had a several hour long phone conversation with Azim Rafiq uh, earlier this week, who 
put out a response to the press conference and seems much more you know pleased with how things have gone they've settled all the employment tribunal stuff around around him and everything um and lord patel praised azim rafiq's handling of everything so there's a bit of apology going on the problem is the only thing we actually have in concrete terms so far is is one he's promised that there'll be a review of internal processes and two they're better at PR than they have been for the rest of the last six months. That's all we can actually say for sure. Like he says all of the right things and I'm sure that he's a good person to have in that role. But the previous guy Hutton also claimed that he was the one anti-racist in that position and that didn't help the organization. So clearly it's a question of leadership beyond that. And in fact, uh, Patel was asked about this at the press conference and he said, basically, oh, it's not about leadership. It's about all the systemic things that we have to address as a club. It's kind of like, OK, but there's a lot of people who who need heads rolling. As Azim Rafiq himself said, there are individuals there who clearly are responsible for all the stuff that we've seen in the last few weeks and all of the statements and all of the kind of profoundly failing to understand systemic racism and doubling down on it. And those people don't get to let off the hook just because we have a change of personnel in one position. A uh, couple things. First of all, uh they have also taken away their their right to host international matches so that means me going to watch england new zealand at headingley is it's not I, good next year i suspect that will come back you know and i think michael holding said it this week that they should have banned them for a year for east and, and regardless of what happens here which heads roll etc i think michael holding got that spot on and the punishment isn't quite enough really because you can see this all finishing in a few months and it's out of the news cycle and back comes headingley I, I kind of agree and, until it affects me. You know, I know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that down, classic. Yeah. We'll all go to Edgebaston. We'll all go to Edgebaston. We'll we'll fine. If I get to, as long as I get to season test cricket, fine. Okay, yeah. Sure of it all. Uh, one more thing. Barney Ronne did a really good piece about how the ECB are not blameless in this and they shouldn't be viewed as the kind of regulator and them kind of Tom Harrison coming out and saying some, you know, uh, some statements about, you know, it makes sense. Some of what he said makes sense in saying that he gave them the option and he wants them to be independent in what they do. But I think they could have stepped in earlier. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that was part of how the story started to change at the end of last week that we we suddenly saw the ECB get really dragged into all of this. And for a moment, like they might get completely engulfed by scandal. That's kind of quieted up for the moment, but I would suspect more to come out of that next week. Um, we think there'll be an ECB presence, probably Tom Harrison at the DCMS hearing in Parliament. Um, so probably we'll get more on that. But but I think you're absolutely right. And there's clearly not, they're clearly not blame free over there. I mean, just two quick things I can think of off the top of my head. Tom Harrison was kind of defending the previous Yorkshire chairman who people had floated as being maybe he should come back. Um, and Tom Harrison kind of said, oh, he's a friend of mine. I know him well. I think he'd probably be good at that role. This is the guy who was chairman for most of the time that Azim Rafiq is making these. Um, it was was the victim of racial harassment for. So probably not a great guy to come back. And he didn't in the end. Um, but Tom Harrison was certainly not, you know, against that idea, which is a bit weird. Um, and secondly, there's this controversy that's come out after the previous chairman Hutton's resignation letter, where he basically said, I asked the ECB to be involved in the investigation and they said no because they wouldn't they didn't want there to be an ecb presence unless the ecb were running the entire investigation which they didn't want to do and that i think might be a point that comes out of this hearing that tom harrison might have to ask some questions about because it's a little bit strange that they kind of either went we have to run the whole thing which we don't want to do or we're just not going to get involved and leave yorkshire to it that's kind of a strange thing for the for the regulator to do in my opinion so i think there'll be a lot more of that to come out um and yeah, as as you alluded to, Dan, just to just to clarify for all our listeners, yeah, there'll be this hearing in Parliament on the 16th, uh, which is next Tuesday. Um, it should be, we think, a one day hearing where you'll get lots of people in, including Azim Rafiq, including, we think, people from Yorkshire and the ECB. And they'll all do big, long evidence sessions where they get questioned by a committee of members of Parliament, um, including Dan's local MP, who's the chair of that committee. Um, so and, and and one important thing that people should know not to be too technical, but all of the questions there are governed by this thing called parliamentary privilege, which long story short means everybody can say what they want. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we, we, we won't have any of this kind of always oh, stuff NDA'd, is it subject to legal, whatever, so you can't so be certain, you know. You can actually just say what you want and, you can and say let, whatever it be, you want. let it be heard as it were. Okay, that's really interesting. So basically parliament turns into a podcast for like two hours. <laughs> 
just shooting off these terrible opinions. <laughs> do, you reckon yeah. Julian, do you reckon Julian Knight will ask Azim Rafiq, is there too much cricket right now? <laughs> Does, is it going to be a balanced hearing? Yeah. <laughs> Vibe checking the World Cup, guys, quickly before we get into this? No, okay. Yeah, so like we said, we're going to dedicate an hour to this next week. Uh, and once that parliamentary hearing's happened, we'll have you know more to chat about and we'll kind of sum up what we've been chatting about over the last sort of month really at least maybe a bit longer since this really uh, came to light so look out for that uh, next week and look out for the hearing as well uh, recommend you probably watch that or at least read about it before you listen to us and be on Rainstop play twitter feed on the day we will be live tweeting all tuesday afternoon yes. i will have my eyes glued to it excellent at Rainstop pod for that um yeah and just a real quick thing just like i think it is incredible that as you kind of touched on what was, you know, in, in some ways a matter that was probably going to be brushed under the cricketing carpet had Yorkshire just even pretended to care, has genuinely developed into a almost international story, like leading yeah. the headlines on, on, on national news because of, A, obviously Rafiq's incredible advocacy and, you know, some quality cricket journalism as well to really push this forward. Like it just, there wasn't that journalism and people following up, like it, it just wouldn't be talked about on Sky, BBC, etc. So to see it develop from, you know, Yorkshire's just complete shambles of a response is pretty extraordinary and um yeah as as you as as you all said just take a look at our twitter feed and stuff we'll be trying to keep up to date as, as best we can thank you that uh for thank you for that well yeah it is crazy it felt like it, this is it felt like it was very close to getting shut under the carpet and then rafiq's consistency on twitter and like you said glenn the journalist have kept it going and it's as serious as it is and it should have been so uh yeah we'll have that next week uh right then t20 world cup um vibe check straw poll i did this last week when i was holding on for dear life about the the source of where this tournament's going to sit in in my mind and in history um it's been really quite dull for me i, I can't i think we chatted about it very briefly yesterday zach in, in our group chat that lack of fans isn't great obviously we can all agree on that um the scheduling's been really weird not no games have felt particularly important and then when it comes down to each game, I just don't think they've been that close. So for me, it's been a real struggle to watch, despite them being at like quite friendly times, sat watching while I'm working, you know, 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the UK. But yeah, for me, it's a no. It's a quite a hard no, actually. So hopefully the semi-finals bring it back. I'll open it to the floor. Final vibe check on the group stages, please. I think we're all quite similar. It's just a bit flat. And I don't really know how you solve the problem of not enough games seeming to mean anything. It's just like you can't do anything, can you? It's just like that's just the way it fell this year. Perhaps if something different happened, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a scheduling problem. It's a problem that only four teams go through to semi-finals. That's going to be too short a knockout stage to really get invested in. And it's a problem that I don't really know how you solve this other than it being a cricket problem. There just haven't been that many good teams or rather there's been such a stark divide between the two te- the teams that we know are good and the teams that just offered nothing so in the you know in the in group b we we knew pakistan were going to make it from game one yeah. which made almost all of their games pretty dull yeah. and then it just became kind of new zealand afghanistan india but that was never really a contest so yeah i agree just a little bit dull yeah a couple of things i was talking to tim you know Southern correspondent about this uh, yesterday and really just like the lack of close finishes as well. Like that has been like just brutal. A fraction of the games have been like a genuinely close, um, a close, you know, nail biting photo finish. And as we've all touched on, you know, it's the scheduling. Like it's absolutely ridiculous that we've got, you know, the, the, the big teams playing each other all pretty much first off the bat, first round or two of games. And then they're all kind of playing the minnows and like, the the point as being is that the the minnows games haven't really mattered because as you've as you've all said like the it was pretty clear from the get go really who was going to progress and who wasn't and then it got to a point where genuinely who cares you know obviously Namibia India today is like the perfect example almost like a caricature of an example because it's so deeply meaningless like nobody cares about that that clearly as we kind of joked just before we, we might go on air like the, the, India uh, you know they they chose to play it apparently they they just gone home instead. <laughs> Which, which I love, but it's just, they've got it completely backwards. I think there's a real, it's a real jump from, you know, these meandering, meaningless, unbalanced group games into bang, three games left, 
semi-finals and a final that feels very sudden that doesn't feel like the, you need there needs to be something i think we feel like in between that potentially but yeah it's been flat i mean we could you know touch on other pods you know been the you know, lack of crowds you know the time difference it's been during a lot of people's working days um in england which is fine if you're oh, working from see home then that was a bonus for me and now you're making me sound really lazy <laughs> no no if you're working from home that's okay if it's, you know less less so for me sadly in the morning but it's just there hasn't been much magic i think i i, I was saying this to tim i was like you know, looking back on this in, in, you know, maybe six months, even a year, what magic moments do we have? I mean, the, I, I think genuinely the Pakistan India is probably up there with, with cricketing history and how, how one-sided that was in a tournament. Apart from that, I, I genuinely cannot think of anything. And we've all joked about it, but the minnow stage, the, 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 you know, the kind of pre, um, pre super 12s was so much more interesting and uh, this is it's just felt so flat and we'll get onto it in a second but i think a lot of really mediocre middle of the road teams your bangladesh or you know just they, they were especially poor west indies not turning up we will get onto these in a moment but nothing about it's felt magical to me it's just felt very like we're here because we have to play these games let's get home that's the, my kind of takeaway uh i wonder how, how do you guys feel quickly about the 2019 world cup looking back on it because i think about that obviously we look back on it really fondly the one england one hmm, yeah i quite liked it yeah obviously and we quite like it but if you think back to how many dead games there were in the last like two weeks and i think the only reason that kind of kept me going was because england had been bad in the middle and then were really good at the end there was you know the game against india the game against new zealand and then the semi-final against australia were all brilliant games but other than that, you know, England losing to Australia was predictable, probably quite good from an Australian perspective. Afghanistan nearly beat Pakistan. I can't really think of any shocks that happened throughout that World Cup. It's a really good point also, because if we if we remember before England won it, the main discourse about that tournament up until at least the semi-finals was have has English cricket bottled this tournament as an opportunity because <laughs> we everything was on Sky and people weren't watching it or engaging yeah. with it that much. There wasn't the buzz, and then obviously you win it, and and it's like football suddenly. Um, but I mean, we'll talk about some of the kind of structural problems with it, and there are things that people have suggested that you could tweak the format, maybe get rid of the first round, have all the minnows at the same time, maybe make the second and third place teams in each group play a quarterfinal. That would at least give you an extra game. That might help, but. I think the bottom line is you can't legislate for the fact that some teams, as Glenn alluded to, have just been terrible. Like you can't you can't structurally design a tournament to change the fact that Bangladesh offered absolutely nothing in pretty much any of their games, and the West Indies were really disappointing. And and, and if those two teams had been better, then that group would have been really really interesting. A fair point on the 2019 World Cup, by the way, Zach. That's a, that's a good shout. I think it's because it was like summer and like there was no COVID. I was just sort of having a good time. But I think to Glenn's point, this has weirdly felt like a chore for all the teams involved. I don't know why. I, 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 there's no actual reason for it. It just feels like a bit of a slog for everybody, pardon the pun. But it's just a bit like, what is going on here? But it's not like we just had a T20 World Cup. The last one was five years ago. So maybe hey. it's just down to the teams aren't no one's playing that well at the minute. Um, and structurally, should we, have, should we suggest some some changes? I think we all agree this... As fun as as fun as the prelims were, the poor teams, the poor minnow teams who got through are emotionally exhausted and are coming up against fresher teams that are by very nature better than them. That can't happen again, like to make them be competitive. Um, and then Super 12s, I'm sure the World Cup will probably expand in the next five years to, to more than 12. So surely you have to split these groups up a little bit more um, and try and somehow have more meaningful games occurring. Uh, there must be a way before you even put anybody on the pitch and the cricket might be bad but preempting good cricket even if everyone's bad if that makes sense make the games be good somehow yeah it should just be four groups of four i mean for this is so, that would have been perfect right yeah four groups of four going straight into the you have you have three group games some a couple of which might be a bit dead then you're straight into quarterfinals yeah that that, that makes that make much more sense and you, you still got three group games you probably have more going on at once. You'd have less of an issue with bigger teams playing smaller teams. Um, I can't remember what the last what, what was the last. Don't know the format of the 2016 World Cup. That's a really stupid question. Everyone's going to off the top of their heads. <laughs> what happened at that World oh, Cup? I was waiting for Zach to perk up. There oh, he is. Yeah, um, he knows. He knows. They had they had, they did like super tens. I think they did. So instead of two teams going through from the minnows, just only one team from each group went through. Uh, I think. 
Okay. There was yes, su- there was super fair. there was there were super eights at one point as well. Oh yeah, way back I don't know in what the day. Super Either way, they're super. It's super something. They were they were not to it, super. It's always though. super something, isn't it? Like, yeah, it has to be super, super sixes at some point as well. It should be the Tata Altros twelves. That's clearly <laughs> what it should have been. <laughs> that would um, be form. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it is will just the amount of cricket and everyone's a bit tired and we came straight out of an IPL that was hosted in the same location so everything sort of felt quite stagnant I'm I'm quite bored of Sharjah I'd like to not watch a game yeah. of Sharjah for a long long time if if that if possible um I don't know what else I don't like the ICC production of things that much do you want to get into Star Sports I don't like the way they do it uh, the commentators have been a bit dull um. Don't I don't like know. Danny I'm going in now. He's got the mic in man. I'm going off. Oh, don't like Danny Morrison. Nope. Uh, Shane Watson's been okay. Never thought I'd say that. Surprisingly good. Yeah. I thought he's been good. Yeah, I like Shane Watson. There's not been nearly enough Darren Sammy. Oh, gosh, no. No, he should be in every game. Like, you know, when he was a Southern Brave fan for those four weeks, those glorious four weeks. <laughs> like all of us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so yeah, that that's the rain stop play vibe check. Do let us know if we're being really harsh. And you might have loved it. Um, maybe we're just a bit miserable. And this cricket podcast is, is about hating cricket and not loving cricket anymore. So let's talk <laughs> I about think, I think this genuinely is there is too much cricket fatigue. Yeah, we're knack- We're just exhausted. I, t- I can't get excited about a T20 game because I've seen so many. I've just seen too much of like a hundred someone chasing down 140. In, you know, <laughs> I'm, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. If, if the score's like under 135, the, the, the Dan turns off. <laughs> it's an arbitrary number. He has to. Hit. The team has to be one eighty minimum, otherwise I'm not watching anymore. I do think you make a good point that I hadn't really thought of. That it is just that we've seen so much cricket in Sharjah and Dubai, and I sort of feel like, you know, not to be unkind to the hosts, but pretty much all sport that's played in the UAE is inherently soulless. I really don't think that helps. If we if we got yeah. if we'd gone to Australia this year, and yeah. It would have been a bit annoying at times. I got very unhappy with being in Australia the last time India toured there. But at yeah. least, you know, you get that festival atmosphere of somebody's hosting and it's a special event and the pitch is a bit different and all of that. It's been, it's been no, yeah, somebody's hosting. This is what the pitches tend to do. Pitches have been rubbish as well. I'll tell you what, in terms of, obviously, you know, we've all got low expectations coming into the Football World Cup, the next one. I mean, this is just the kiss of death for that. I mean, absolutely, anything like this, it's just, just abysmal. Really, really mm. unfortunate. We'll have to see. Maybe we're just. I think we're all a bit fatigued. I don't know when. We need to find some time off. Take the IPL off, like I did. It was great. It was like going on holiday. <laughs> Love the IPL. Take right, the ashes off. No whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Let me watch those two. Let me watch that T20 series in New Zealand, and India. I'll take the ashes off and I'll come back feeling fresh. Um, right. Let's just talk about some cricket. Uh, we'll start with the semi-finalists who are locked in. Uh, we've got England versus New Zealand on Wednesday, and then Pakistan versus Australia on Thursday. High five, Glenn. I think we got this right in our, uh, what's the word I'm after? Adjusted predictions. Adjusted predictions. Because no one, obviously nobody got their main predictions right because uh, India bottled it, which we can and I look forward to coming on to. Um, I got through, I think we got three out of four though, Glenn, from our first ones as well. Yeah. Um, Because the two boys on my right thought West Indies going to be class, which is, you know, good for them. Good for trying. (laughs) I just, I'm, I'm really enjoying how smug you are, Dan, considering yeah, how much you, you know, obliterated yeah. New Zealand in the preview yeah, pod. Exactly. You obliterated them. But I called Australia, which I think was, you know, that was a bit After of going for them as well. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, three out of four, I'll take it. Uh, let's start with Pakistan. Um, Zach's notes, he's put these together today. Thank you, Zach. Five from five, not much to say about them. Okay, so Australia. Um, <laughs> What should we say about Pakistan? They're really, really good. They're very good, aren't they? They're good fun. Uh, they're unbelievable. One thing I would like to say about them, I, I wrote not much to say about this team and then proceeded to write about 200 words in about, in about two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up writing loads. I think they, they're favourites at this point because of in England's injuries, which we'll come on to. One thing I would say that we said before the... Uh, start of the tournament, Dan, in our preview was we thought there would be over-reliance on Rizwan and Baba, which there hasn't been too much of a reliance on them. And their middle order looked undercooked. And to be fair, it was undercooked. Asif Ali, you know, hadn't played. had been in and out of the side. He hadn't scored a double-digit 
double digits since 2019 when he scored 11 off 10 balls in, in Australia. And but he scored 67 runs without being without being out in three innings, a strike rate of 247. And sure, Malik as well hadn't played a T20I since the 2020 tour of England, not the one this year, the one they did in COVID last year when Tom Banton was weirdly good for England. I know it feels like centuries ago, but he he's he's also he also been really good this tournament. Scored, I mean, his you know his his strikes at 187, which he might have stat padded a little bit in that 18 ball 50 against Scotland, but you know it's still pretty good. You can only batter the teams that are in front of you. Also, props to Rizwan. He's got the most T20I uh, runs in a calendar year, 1,676. Um, wow. I don't think we'd have expected at the start of the tournament we'd been talking about how good their batting's been because their bowling is is generally, you know, discussed their strength. Pretty perfect summary, I'd say. These, I agree as well that these guys are definitely favourites after um, England's, you know, a bit walking wounded at the minute. Uh, I think we could all hope for an England-Pakistan final, though, because that would still be very fun. Um, anyone else for Pakistan? No bids. Okay. Because <laughs> they're going to win it. I mean, Glenn and Will, come on. Are they your favourites now? Are you going to back England? Or, you know, give me give me something on Pakistan because they could be our champions in, in a few days. I think that they, they should be the favourites. It's the only sensible thing to say. And there's a lot to love about them. They are probably the best bowling team in the tournament. And as Zach said, they bat a lot better than we expected. And the narrative feels right. And it would save this pot a bit if we could remember it as the time that Pakistan was secretly amazing. I just don't, I kind of don't see it, which I don't, I, that doesn't mean anything because I think they should be the favourites and they are the favourites and I think they'll win. But I sort of don't. You just sort of I don't so, see it. That's, I, have fair, a sneak, that's I have a sneaky suspicion about New Zealand this year, but we'll come on to them. You, you did call that last episode, so mm. we'll stick to them and we'll come on to them later on. Would it be, would it be uh, rogue to throw in an Australia to win it shout here? I no, because they're, say this. they're warming up. And if you want to start with it, I'll give the baton to you. Is it the Warner discourse? Is he back? Uh, 89 not out of 56 in the last game. And Australia do well when he does well. And he appears to be back. Yeah, and I think just, just just to really bridge that as well, thank you, Dan. I think that is a nice segue between the Pakistan and Australia. It'll be really interesting to see Pakistan put under some pressure. You know, they they with you know, because they've been so good, I know it's difficult, this isn't a criticism, you know, they've they've won five out of five, they've looked superb. Will they potentially be a victim of their own success when it come push comes to shove and the, the you know, it's knockout, as we all know. It's it's such a different beast. Um, Zach, what do you reckon? I think you could say the same about um, both the teams that have qualified from that group. And I know we'll come on to New Zealand because Pakistan obviously won all their games. They weren't tested really that much against any of the teams. And New Zealand were only tested against Pakistan. So I, I think it's an interesting point, Glenn. Will they struggle if, say, Australia win the toss bowl first? It's a really good bowling attack they've got. And then put some pressure on that top order. Say they get a couple of early wickets in the power play, then you know Pakistan have been really good at chasing down you know par scores, or they've been they're pretty decent because their bowling attack's good at getting at getting par scores and then defending them. But against Australia, you know who knows what's going to be enough runs. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, no, to move over to um, to Australia, I think I, they've they've. <sighs> They flatter to deceive. Sometimes, you know, you look at this team and obviously um, the England game was particularly humiliating um, for them. I mean, that was about as brutal a loss as you can get, you know, the same way obviously, you know, Pakistan um, overcame India in a surprisingly one-sided fashion. Um, you know, I think I think there's probably the mood in the pod um, that they're, they're hitting form at the right time. That's something that jumps out to me. You want momentum going into these. And not to say that England don't, because I think the South Africa game, they did, they, it was, was, was interesting in some ways. You know, it was competitive. It wasn't as if England fell away. But obviously England are going to come into this. We'll get onto them in a moment. But, you know, with injuries, with that kind of backlog. Whereas Australia, by contrast, you've got Warner, um, you know, smacking almost 100, 89, not, not out of 56. And you've got Zampa, who, again, he's one of those players, you know, we love to, you know, laugh at the mullet. And we've always talked about, you know, his idiosyncrasies with his coffee. and He's a bit of a personality, something I think we all probably like. And that's something I, I've always liked that about him. That he's got personality, quite in contrast to the kind of bullish, you know, hyper-masculine Aussie openers, your Finches and Warners. He's just a little bit different. And his bowling is, is fantastic. And he plays that real Rashid role for Australia in which he gets wickets because he puts on such pressure. And if I was batting in the middle order, I would say... 
you know, I would say Rashid Khan, I'd say um, Adil Rashid, and then I'd probably say him number three is probably spinners you probably don't want to face um, in, you know, the 11-12 overs. He's excellent at the minute. Um, yeah, Marsh looking good back into the side. And yeah, I think it's really interesting. Uh, and you know, thank you, you know, Zach, for pointing to this in our in our prep that, you know, they chased down um, that low score from Bangladesh quickly because... As I've said many, many times in this part, it's a winning mentality in this team. You know, oh, you know who that. didn't have that winning mentality? That. <laughs> you know who didn't have that winning mentality? South Africa. They had a losing <laughs> mentality. That's why they were on a plane back home. <laughs> on this, Dan, I, 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 we, I watched a bit of his medium pace, Mitch Marsh, and you talked about it last week as yeah, being something you, you fancied. You really liked his medium pace. So go on. Talk to us about how, how great it is. And it was. It was good. I mean... For a guy who bats at what did he come at three or four now? It's just useful little, you know. I'm doing a hand signal, you know, little, you know, when you know the, the the universal cricket sign for just a bit of that, a bit of line and length, just a bit of you know Collingwood back in the day, but Para, I don't know, just a very useful little bowler. Find two or three overs out of him, four if it's you know the kind of deck that suits that. Um, and with the bat, he's fantastic as well. I think was Warren was Shane Warren asking for him to come in instead of Smith, and I think they found a way to have them both playing. Um, but I just think that top three is pretty pretty lethal. Finch is a bit of an accumulator, you know. He doesn't go, he can go quickly, but something like 45 off 35 is a very good knock for him with with what's around him. So it's the winning mentality. It really is, and it's and is this bowling attack good? Are we in agreement? This is a good bowling attack. It just doesn't feel right because it's the test side. They're popping it on a line in length, but it works and it doesn't. Hazelwood got like four wickets, but went at 10 the other day. But I can't quite figure this bowling attack out. But I think from listening to you guys, I think winning, manta- winning mentality, Glenn, thank you. Mm-hmm. And But the momentum, I think, is the most important thing here. And I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I hope this is a good one for the sake of this tournament. Uh, yeah, just two quick things. Yes, I think this really needs to be uh, interesting, you know, tight. There needs to be some drama in this game to give, you know, this this uh, tournament some oxygen. I mean, you know, it's, it's heart, running out. Please, it is. It's it's running out of steam. And I think, yeah, we, we you know we we've kind of you know alluded to it, but they, I mean, they absolutely battered uh, West Indies in that final game. You know, they won by eight wickets. They chased, you know, 157 down. They were on 160 runs with, you know, basically three overs left. So, you know, thinking, and I know West Indies were particularly bad and we can we maybe we may mention how sad they were before the end of the pod. But and it kind of had this weird testimonial feel as opposed to a competitive World Cup game, which was pitiful. But even with that said, you look at the kind of scoring rate Australia are on and if they'd batted out the 20 overs, that's a 200 plus total. And that hasn't really been scored much. If any, I don't know, I can't even recall, is it 190s? Does anyone hit 200 this tournament? Once, one game, yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, Afghanistan just really disappointing us, sadly. Ooh, I'm so, I'm looking forward to ripping into them later, by the way. Yeah, so it's just so they were on for obviously a massive score there, and there's in the context of the game, but yeah, they can be destructive. I still think Warner and Finch, if one of them comes off, that's that's a lot of runs on the board early doors. Um, but they are still an, kind of an unknown quantity, as you said, Dan, rightly so. Like, they're their bowlers is the test attack, like Hazelwood still, you know, is yeah, he's, you know, puts it on a length. And I think, you know, I think a team like Pakistan really could just just if they see the ball and it comes onto the bat nicely, I can see a monster total from yes. them. Um, I mean, I'm intrigued. I am intrigued. What do you reckon, Zach? I just I, I completely agree, Glenn. And I think the the fact that Jason Roy just kind of started coming after them and then obviously Joss Butler went absolutely berserk against against Australia in that game. They weren't ch- obviously England weren't chasing many, but it kind of showed a blueprint for how to beat Australia because Hazelwood puts it on a good length. And if you let him settle on that length, he will just sit there all day long. But Jason Roy, I think in the first over he faced of him, came out of his crease, charged him and hit him for four. And it's just, you know, just a little thing like that against a bowler that is so consistent on a length. And obviously in test cricket, you can't do that because the ball moves. I mean, Jason Roy could try and charge him, but we've seen Jason Roy play test cricket. I think he not, tried. I think he tried in test cricket. Probably I, I saw him try. Yeah. <laughs> no, Glenn, you think you did. I think you were quite hungover that day. <laughs> okay, that is the first semi-final. We'll do a bit of predictions at the end. Um, stay tuned for that. That'll, that'll keep you listening. Um, England, New Zealand. The we're doing this the wrong way around. It's actually the first semi-final, but that's beside the point. Um, England, New Zealand on Wednesday. Uh, we'll start with England, obviously, since we were last on air. 
losing to South Africa in what in what was sort of a cricket game that I enjoyed despite the loss. And I think the headline is the injuries, isn't it? We lost Jason Roy uh, to a calf injury. That looked fairly brutal. So we need to chat about what England do there. Plenty of options. And I think we need to also talk about the bowling um, and the loss of Tamal Mills and where our death bowling's at and how we can fix this um, if we're going to go win these next two games. So should we start with Roy? Um, Zach, you, you've done the notes again. You'd go Curran and Billings. Argue oh, your corner. I've gone. I think yeah. I'm in. I mean, I'm unfortunately also in the Tom Curran camp. Um, yeah, for the same, for probably the same reason you're going to say now. Yeah, I, I don't think England are going to go with this team. I think England are more likely to just go keep the balance they've had and just go probably Billings into the team and then either Bairstow, Livingston, or or who was the, who's the other option. You could put Moeen there, but I don't or, think or, or, or Milan, or, or Milan. If they keep Milan in the team, sorry, I couldn't see Milan because I've taken Milan. Ah, you have. Ah, good. Missing because obviously I'm anti-Milan as, as we all are on this podcast. Yes, but yes, yeah, so I've. This is the team I want them to play. I don't think it is a team they will play because they're not going to want to rock the boat too much. Considering it, on all but the last game, it's worked so far. Their strategy of only having the five bowlers using Moeen and Livingston. You know, basically just using them when their matchup works and then not when it doesn't. It almost fell apart against Sri Lanka. It didn't work that well against South Africa because we didn't have uh, Mills. We had Wood, who wasn't very good at the death. Jordan also wasn't very good. Basically, our, our players didn't bowl very well. But yeah, so I'd go Butler and Livingston to open because Livingston's kind of as aggressive as Roy. And I, it's a bit of a risk, but I really like it because Livingston opens for Lancashire. He opens in T20 cricket, so, and he's aggressive like Roy is. Then I go Moeen three, Besto four, Billings five, Woke six, not Woke six, Morgan six. No, 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 Woke Morgan six, Morgan well. seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan 11. Yeah, and then Tom Curran in, because Tom Curran bowled pretty well. I know we spoke about him last week, and Will, you're not a fan. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of him as a person, but I think in this attack, we looked really light of a death bowler against South Africa. So who's the most obvious one out of the squad to come in as a death bowler? It's Tom Curran. And then you can... Right, Reece Topley. Bowl. Well, Reece Topley, Reece Topley is another no, option, but no. you, don't need to, you don't need to bowl. Wokes bowled that one over. It wasn't even that close to the death. It was like the 16th over against South Africa, and he went for like 21, and it just, it, it just looked like he wasn't a death bowler, which he isn't, you know, and it looked like it was kind of suddenly someone's putting England under some pressure, which hadn't happened throughout the World Cup, and it wasn't working. So... Yeah, that's what I go with, and then Jordan, Rashid, and Wood as my final three, which they're already in the team. Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree on Livingston. I think he's mm-hmm. he's just such an asset as we saw coming in at five six to finish a role. Um, quickly on how hard he tries to hit the ball, I feel like he's and this was during his IPL thing as well. He was trying to hit it too hard, and then that one time when he was trying to hit it too hard and he hit it off Rabada, I I had like a subconscious reaction to it like I, I came out in hot sweats it was the most beautiful thing i've seen on, on a cricket field before I, I absolutely loved it but yeah anyway i put him at number six i'd go best though to open i'd yeah, go best i would, I would do uh, the same because if the odi team i think give him a bit of license and then as you were milan i think the only issue is where do you feel for the billings would come and do perfectly could sort of do that building role and let the finishes come in and around and maybe even morgan up to four because I thought he did a great job against um, Sri Lanka building a knock. Uh, he looks in a bit, a bit of touch. Yeah, Be- Bairstow for me. So my argument against Bairstow at the top is Bairstow and Butler are our two best T20 batsmen. Get him so out of the early doors. They're bit, bit, most balls say, possible. Say, Zach, it's doing a, say it's doing a bit. Say it's doing a bit against Trent Bolt and Tim Southey, who are both... Do very, a bit. I know it's when not it necessarily going to do a bit, but Tim Bolt... Tim Bolt. Tim Bolt. <laughs> His cousin. <laughs> cousin Tim. <laughs> um, Trent Bolt and Tim Southey, both very good in the power play. So that's a risk. And okay. Livingston, it's also a risk to lose Livingston. That's If you want to go really safe with it, Milan to open and just, you know, nerdle it it's around probably. with the power play, which I don't like either. I think they'll probably go Bairstow, but I would rather him in the middle because as... yeah. As I think it's uh, NASA Hussain keeps saying, he's a really good starter against Rispin. A really good starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't like getting out of LBW at all to, to, to left arm <laughs> the leg spin uh, this tournament. That's so, test yeah, cricket. Get... 
yeah, no. Anyway, anyone else for, for an openers? Will or Glenn? You know, Vince has been recalled. I can't see him going back into the team. Um, it feels weird that they've made him come all the way out here and probably do nothing unless there's another unfortunate injury. Uh, so, yeah, any other arguments for openers? And, and do you see Billings coming in as the, the effective the replacement? It's a tough one. Like, I, I, I think I'm committed to best opening. I think he got Norton 50 against um, Sri Lanka earlier this summer, when, or in the summer when he did that in the home series. Um, I, I like, I mean, I like the look of him, Butler, um, but the best. I mean, that's a really, really obviously solid opening pair. And as we said, arguably, if not certainly, Josh Butler is one of the best uh, openers in T20 cricket right now, if not only beaten by the by the two um, incredible batsmen opening for Pakistan. Um, yeah, I, I'm still not quite sure how to fit it around because I am concerned about our death bowling. It's been re- it's looked a little bit sloppy. I don't know if I'd love. I don't know if our bowling is quite good enough to win a tournament like Wood, Wokes, Jordan. I mean, none of them really make me think, wow, they'd get into a world 11 of T20 bowlers. Um, I don't think I, any of them would. Of course not. So I, I, you know, there's an argument to be made to shore up the bowling, uh, bring in David Willey and push everyone else up. There is a lot of batting in that middle order. Is that a bit rogue? Dan I've, never heard, I've never heard sure of the bowling and David really used in the same <laughs> sense before. But that's fine. <laughs> well, I think we're a little bit light on options. The bowling is a huge issue, and we are and we are light on options. Like if you if you look at the wider injury list with Archer out, um, yeah. Stokes out, you know, miss his bowling as well. It, it, it is light, and I think we've done well to get as far as we have. And seeing someone like Van der Dusten take us apart makes me a bit worried. Not not so much for New Zealand, which we'll come on to, but whoever we might face in the final, should we win that game? Yeah, I'm afraid to say you, you're going to have to deal with Tom Curran going for 13 and over at the death and, and you, you just try your best to be happy with that. That's that's what's happening no, I here. think I'm ready. I'm emotionally ready for it, Will. Yeah, you just need to prepare yourself and then it'll be okay. Because, you know, that's oh, that's got. that's the option on the table now. Oh, um, completely agree uh, with, uh, with Zach and Dan. I think you open with Bearstow, in my opinion, because I kind of think you should be opening it anyway. I think in a... In a world where Roy and Butler aren't so good, no, we he probably should be an opener. I know, but anyway, given that Roy's not there, he's going to open. Okay. I, I think Zach's correct, and that's why Zach, of all of us, would be the best head coach for cricket team. That's probably stupid to send them both out in the power play if it's doing a bit. However, that is exactly what I would do. Um, can you get away with making only one change if you promote Bearstow up to open, put Moeen at four, and then bowl Tom Curran at seven? That works because you then you got a bit like works at seven. Works at seven. Yeah, we, works we at saw seven. Bat, it looks in decent enough touch. Um, well, I'm not worried about the batting so much. It's all about that bowling, and I think it is about the death bowling. That's that's the big worry. Yeah, I, I agree. If if I were to only do one change, I would I would go more bowler heavy. But I th- I think they're just going to go Billings in, Billings in, and push everyone up. Billings feels Billings feels safe. He feels like a comfort blanket. You know, I think we all know what he can do. He's just the natural understudy. For whoever falls out of that top six, really, um, so I look forward to seeing him in. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and I and I and I like Billings a lot in this team. Actually, I think he's unlucky to not play more. The problem is <clears throat> with those bowlers. If you make it past New Zealand, if you're imagining a final against Pakistan, are you getting six or seven overs out of Moeen and Livingston against Pakistan? It's a great question because if you don't, you're in you're in trouble there. And I think did Livingston bowl against South Africa? I feel like they couldn't they couldn't bowl him. For, oh, he did. Well, I think so. yeah. I think it's a fair point, Will, because then you rely on your bars. I think we're just short and we'd we'd been injured. Maybe it'll give us some fighting spirit or something. I don't know. Us against the world, despite us being one of the best teams in the world. I don't know. Um, let's come on to New Zealand quickly. Um, I've not got much to say. I mean, Glenn, Mitch Santner versus England. This should be a walk in the park, right? Well, yeah. And then you got Tim Bolt. Think about. Some... <laughs> I'm a bit worried about Tim Bolt. He's had a wonderful tournament. <laughs> Very decorated bowler. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what to think about New Zealand. Yeah, they're just a very solid outfit. They've got decent bowling. They've got the spinners that can that, that can uh, that can cause trouble in those middle overs, um, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, you obviously got Guptill um, opening up, being aggressive. Um, look pretty comfortable chasing that that 125 they had in the last game yeah i mean i don't have much to say about them because they're just you know they're just a unit solid. They're, yeah. they're solid well organized yeah the, the thing about new zealand and this this won't sound like a compliment but it is is that everybody thinks about them as glenn has just said that they're not they're not very inspiring and whatever 
But what they are very good at is whoever they play, they're going to drag them down to their level. And I, <laughs> and I do mean that as a compliment because look, this okay. New Zealand batting lineup, unless it's a really, really nice pitch, it's never going to score much above 150. But that's fine because whoever they're playing against also probably isn't. They also and struggle. It's, it, every New Zealand game is going to be the games that Dan wants to tune out from and doesn't want to exist because they're not going to be fun to watch. Right. But they'll still probably win more of them than we think based on an eye test they should. And history shows us that. They love a par score. Love getting par love and then just dragging score. the other team like to barely get anywhere near it. Um, Guptill's been a good nick. I like him as a cricketer. Uh, Mitchell, who's been sort of sprung to the top of the order, somewhat surprisingly, he's had a good tournament, averaging 25, strike over 134. Um, Zach asked his team to bat first and let's see. Are you saying they're they're not so good at setting a total? So perhaps England might want to have a little chase. I think so, because because like like we said, they're good at they're good at getting to par. And if we've if you know anything about playing England in white ball cricket in the last you know four years or so, if you if you set them par, you, you're gonna you're gonna lose most of the time. So I think you know they're, they're the fact that Conway comes in at four for this team is just like he's just another player who can go at one twenty. 130 and seeing them chase 125 and both and not try and do it quickly like a lot of the other teams would do in this tournament. I know net run really didn't matter. They just need to get over the line. But him and Williamson just watching them knock it off at a runner ball was was really hard to watch. And I think also, you know, they against Namibia, they ended up with 164, but they were really struggling. And it was only because Namibia's death bowling was awful. And Nishman Phillips just had a bit of a day out and they could do that. But if Nishman Phillips don't, Mitchell Santner is batting at seven. We've heard what Glenn thinks about Mitchell Santner. And that's just about his bowling. His, his batting, like you said on last week's pod, Dan, is, is flawed. He's not he's not a big hitter. And then Southie comes in at eight. Which I'd is... rather have Southie in at seven. He's got, what, top ten sixes in test cricket, something like that. So it's probably a Zach stat from a few pods ago. But yeah, I, just, <laughs> I agree. You get his team batting first. It's interesting, Zach mentions that extraordinarily painful slow chase against Afghanistan to to take about two hours to eventually knock India out of a tournament to stretch to stretch a comparison that Dan has been running for the last two weeks between the fortunes of Indian cricket and Manchester United yeah. <laughs> it works strangely well because we have obviously the Pakistan defeat was getting battered 5-0 by Liverpool and it was extremely painful and just blown out of the water and that's fine yeah. But in a way, losing 2-0 to Manchester City at home where they could have scored as many goals as they wanted but sort of couldn't be bothered was more painful. And that's exactly New Zealand against Afghanistan to just very very slowly knock India out. Like we're just going to we're going to chase this without any sense of urgency. We just knock it around, score single ones and twos just to kind of make you feel like you have to watch 20 overs of cricket and just, maybe it was, it'll be fine. That was, it was almost worse. It was a slow worse. death. It was it was a a really slow death for you and all. That was so much more painful. I have so much respect for Williamson's under a runner ball 40. He was at the crease for over an hour and he just enjoyed it. He enjoyed every oh, he single loved every, hit. You know, you know he loved every second of that. No sixes in that innings. Who needs a mm. six? We're walking our way That's to the semis. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Should we round up the rest of the teams um, that we can be bothered to talk about? Of course, we'll let's do India. They had that painfully dull game today against Namibia. Um, anything more to say? Because I think we did the main post-mortem last week when we pretty much knew they were out. Um, they beat Afghanistan. Uh, they beat Scotland. They beat Namibia. But it was it just was never going to be enough, was it really? So anything more to say? Or, or are we excited for the, the Dravid era? Oh, we're not very excited, no. No, there's no excitement at the moment. It's just painful. Um, what can you say? Uh, I thought the most interesting thing to come out of the Namibia game which is a low bar because it was an extremely dull game of cricket, um, was all of the, the sort of post-match interviews and Virat Kohli came out and said some things. And obviously we now have that head coach transfer confirmed. And Kohli himself did kind of allude to the fact that there will need to be a change of approach for T20s. Akin to what England have done, as we said in the last pod, that he kind of acknowledged himself that he's a little bit of an old school captain and they probably need to go to a slightly more modern approach with the batting. 
And maybe that will happen. And we know that most of the senior players, as we referenced, won't play in this ridiculous T20 series against New Zealand in a couple of weeks. Um, so it sounds like people like Guy Quad and Venkatesh will, will come in for that. So that could be quite interesting just to see some different names thrown into the hat and see if anyone makes a name for themselves by next year's World Cup. But it's all pretty bleak at the moment. Um, yeah, I think we've said everything he's saying. They lost to the two teams that they needed to beat. So only really got yourselves to blame. Any more teams? I think we have to talk about Afghanistan, who are frauds because they beat the two minnows <laughs> and then got absolutely battered. We all got, like, we're all guilty here. We all got pumped up. We're all ready for them to go and win the whole thing. And they were just really bad again. Why? Awful. To be clear, we're not all guilty. I was accused of being bitter in the last pod for pointing oh, okay. out that Afghanistan aren't very good. Uh, no, that was it, wasn't it? Because you kept saying, oh, very good. we thought you were just bitter because India were playing bad, but it turns out you were just right. I was. And, you know, it's a mark of respect towards Afghanistan from me, in fact, because I'm judging them by higher standards, higher standards than it turns out they have yet achieved. Um, but, you know, I think they are good. They have good enough players now that we should be judging them by at least the standards of uh, South Africa. If not more than that, given that they possibly have the best bowler in the world and some decent batting options, it now turns out. Yeah, I think it's a compliment to call them frauds because we yeah. thought we expected them to be up there with with the regular crowd as it were we did and they should get uh, okay i can't really say that i was going to say they should get better and they're still an improving team it's all very optimistic and then i remembered you know everything around <laughs> afghanistan at the moment mm. um so i don't know if there are any guarantees i mean the captain did just retire mid-tournament as glenn yeah, it's... was particularly horrified by so <laughs> assuming that there's no more chaos we should see better from them in, in, in the next tournaments, but they'll, ha- they'll have to learn from, from these few games. I know Zach's very high on the performance against Pakistan and a losing effort, and I respect that. Um, but they got battered, battered by a not particularly good India team. Yeah, I, I, to, to just touch, you know, very briefly on the on the kind of political side of it, I think the, the ICC have said they're going to meet uh, after the T20 World Cup to discuss Afghanistan's membership because obviously part of the being a full member is you have to have a women's team and Afghanistan have been let off from that up you know because they were working on it and now with the recent political changes it doesn't look like they're going to be working on it anytime soon so I hope it can be resolved it's not it's not a simple issue by any means I hope it can be resolved and we get to see some of these great young players because you know Rashid Khan's still really young and is definitely going to get the most T20 wickets ever comfortably. Could easily get a thousand because he's, you know, 23 and got 400 the other day. Majib is even younger than him. Nabi, we may have seen the last of him. Uh, Ramanullah Gurbaz is 19, one of the players who, who just hits a long ball, so he could be really good. And they're developing, you know, there's... um. The young, the young pace bowler who who bowls a bit like Bumrah, really like him as well. There's there's the there's the starts of something there. So if they had, if they were to have to have you know a year, two years away from cricket, it would be a real shame. Because not not saying they're going to do any better in Australia next year. I can imagine they'll do worse. But 2024, say it's in Asia, which is to be expected, then you know that could they could do really well there. Same with Sri Lanka, as we mentioned in last week's pod. Yeah, I completely agree, Zach. And I think they're definitely, strangely enough, in transition. And I think, you know, one optimistic way to look at it is they're still a young team. But at the same time, you know, Naby and any of the other former captain who moved on halfway the tournament, I mean, they were pretty, really, obviously, vital players to the team. And if they're moving on, uh, obviously, that, you know, opens up space, which could be good. But at the same time, they're both there for a reason because they're quality. So I think you're spot on. I wouldn't expect, unfortunately, to be completely cynical, I wouldn't expect much from them at all um, in Australia. Uh, I'd say everything's a bonus there. You know, a win against, you know, another big, bigger nation uh, in, in cricketing terms, quotations, would be really good for them. But yeah, a bit of a, I, I, the sense I got from them was what if. I just got, it just didn't feel quite right this tournament. Oh, I think we had a lot of hope for them. A lot of it was, was well-placed, but it didn't quite work. And as, you, as you've all pointed out, to only get two wins against the Minnows, just, it doesn't, doesn't show you at that standard if you're not beating the other teams, does it? It's a bit, it's a bit no man's land that though, isn't it? Because they're clearly better than Scotland and Namibia. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I'm sure a lot of those other teams, but aren't quite there yet to go and, and really challenge. Well, they sort of did actually. I'm a bit harsh, but yeah, they're they're a bit in flux, and then you have got the whole political situation on top of that. 
I think Glenn is making the case for Case Ahmed again, aren't you? Oh, the aren't case you, Glenn? For That's case. what you're doing. Because <laughs> what if, what if in that Pakistan game, instead of having those three spinners and um, Naveen, and then they had to play, you know, that bloke who just got pelted around by Asif Ali, Jan Elt. What if they had Case Ahmed as an extra bowler in that game? That's the biggest what if of the tournament, I think. Well, especially for them. Then we'd be talking about how they're going to lose to how they're going to beat England in the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's a it's probably a, a good discussion to have, and I've and I'd kind of ignored it in amongst everything else that was going on this week, which I think lots of people did. You know, we had we had that sort of weird eulogy for the West Indies era, which we'll talk about in a minute, and we had everything else that's going on. And because the decision hasn't yet been made by the ICC, we sort of haven't had time to process this. But I think there is a possibility that that was the last time we've seen this Afghanistan team play cricket at this okay. level. I don't think that's I don't think that's too far fetched at all. So that would be kind of sad, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But I I think that's a genuine thing. We have sort of forgotten about it, and and it'd be interesting to see what the ICC say. Do you know when that is, Zach? I'm I'm coming to you. Are they looking at it for next year's cycle or? At some, they're not going to do it this year, probably, right? Wait, wait till, wait till next year. I don't know. I think it was just mentioned that they were going to park it until after the T20 World Cup. That makes there was, sense. There was Get this out of the way. Yeah, there were initially questions over whether they'd be in this T20 World Cup, and then they were kind of like, no, we're going to park it, you know, and then we'll meet and discuss it. But I don't think there's no, there's been no kind of official confirmation around when that's happening. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, elsewhere, Scotland looked tired. Bless them, they tried. Good for them. Get them home. Sri Lanka fun and feisty quite like them i think they could could build on what they've done actually despite how negative we were on them i think they had a lot to play at uh, this tournament south africa weirdly got four wins they were running right away from getting to the quarterfinals still don't get that i mean after the decock situation i think that was quite impressive for them mentally to recover from what was quite a, a storm uh, and play pretty well bavuma hats off to him i think he's captain that team re- really really well at this tournament with everything that's gone on so they were pretty good West Indies, lads. That's, that's it for Bravo and Gale. Bit a weird game against Australia, wasn't it? Gale got a wicket and sort of climbed on Mitch March's back and then was checking Warner's pocket for sandpaper, we, we think. Um, you know, that that might be the last time we see them in a West Indies shirt as well. But, gosh, they, they didn't they didn't come to play cricket this, this, this week, did they? They were terrible. And I think this is West Indies, though, isn't it? They've won this tournament twice. And we said in our preview... Which one were you going to get? It's never like, oh, they nearly got in. It's either they're amazing or they're catastrophic. So, yeah, at the end of the Gale era, that's, that's, that's a shame, isn't it? I think it's almost similar to how they did in the 2019 World Cup. I think it was like the first couple of games. I remember there was one game against Australia where they got them. They like suddenly had loads of fast bowlers who were doing really well. And it was like, oh, my God, this is everyone was, you know, saying this is the West Indies of the 1980s again. And they're going to be really good. But then they couldn't bat, basically. And, you know, they, they had Australia five down for like 50 and then just Australia managed to get to 250 and not do it. And it was kind of like, I think it was almost a couple of games they were close and they just didn't look up to it. And, you know, they didn't, I mean, they didn't look up to it at all in this tournament, though. Just They weren't there. No. They just weren't there. It was kind of tragic. No, I'd completely forgotten that. You're right. They did. They started the 2019 World Cup really well because their first game was at against Pakistan in Nottingham which I saw for some strange reason. Um, and they bowled Pakistan out really, really quickly and then chased oh, about yeah. 80 with a Chris Gale half century. And everybody, there's a Weatherspoons right next door to uh, to Trent Bridge and everybody just traipsed there before lunchtime, um, <laughs> which is a perfect day of cricket in many people's opinion. Part of why <laughs> that World Cup was fantastic. You know, I remember that was, <laughs> that was the, mem- the memorable game. <laughs> that, probably, that is probably the thing I remember most from that World Cup. Um but no, it, it is a shame. Glenn used the right word that it felt like a testimonial in a competitive World Cup game, which should never be the case and was a, a bit strange. At the same time, I don't think we can really criticise the West Indies T20 team. They're all legends of the game. They've been there, done that, won two World Cups. They don't owe anybody anything, least of all themselves. This was a bit of fun. Why not give it one last roll of the dice? Fine. That, that's what they felt as well, I think, probably, especially when they knew they were out of it. They were like, you know what, we've done what we need to do. Let's Let's enjoy the game. One thing I, I think was on the line in this game, there was something to do with, and I don't understand this, so I'm not going to go into it much. There was something to do with their qualification for which stage they enter in the next World Cup or something was on the line. 
So there could be, obviously the thing is though, they haven't announced what the stages look like. So we could see West Indies maybe in round one next time. That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that was kind of confirmed, whatever that round one is. I, th- I think they're in it, right? Um, that's I what I read so, yeah. at least, yeah. It's too, that's too much cricket too far ahead. Does anyone, you know, quick divergence before we wrap this pod up. Fantasy football, Ben, ben Crellin. We, we're all fantasy football players, the sort of guru of fantasy. That, Zach, felt to me like when he... He says, oh, because Chelsea won this game, there might be a double game week in February. That felt like that to me. We're looking too far <laughs> ahead. I can barely get through this World Cup. Um, but the West Indies are in that sort of echelon now, in the Sri Lanka-Bangladesh group. Yeah, can I just say just how atrocious Bangladesh were? I did. Yes. I, I, I do want to say, <laughs> you I, it, it's, been on, it's, on my, yeah, it's on my heart today. I did mention, and this isn't like all a great prediction at all. It was just that I did mention in the last part that I was worried for them because they had to play a lot of teams who needed results against them. And would you believe it? They managed to get all out for 73 and 84 playing two of those teams. Um, it was pathetic from them. I've got to be honest. They, they brought the whole quality of the tournament down and they should be ashamed. <laughs> I would have to agree, particularly the Australia game, as I was going to be able to sit down and watch the second innings of that. But obviously it was all over so quickly. <laughs> Six overs. I didn't really watch any of it. Uh. Ruining them. Yeah. Well done. Let's end, let's end on Bangladesh, because I think that's that's about right for this for this group stages. Um, OK, boys, before we go, let's do semi-final predictions. Um I'm going to go really, really boring and say it'll be an England-Pakistan final. Any any upgrades on that? Australia-England. Australia-England, nice. Glenn's take. Oh, that would be class, to be fair. We forget, <laughs> oh, we're forgetting that that could be a thing. We could have a little Australia-England mm. final coming up. A little Ashes warm-up. That's yeah. narrative for you. Oh, that is narrative. We need a bit of narrative. Uh, Will and Zach, any upgrades on those two? New Zealand, Pakistan. Okay, great. <laughs> right, Zach, what's the other option? And then one of us will be right. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand. <laughs> Antipodean that Derby. Be, that's, that's the final this tournament deserves. That is, yeah, it, they, they chase down 130 and 18 overs. That is exactly what we deserve. <laughs> so right. Okay, thanks for that prediction, Zach. He's gone for Australia, New Zealand. Um, <laughs> that would about wrap it up this week. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, to review those two semi-finals, so we've got two pods coming up for you next week, which is very exciting. Um, Glenn, enjoy the rest of your day in Iowa. The sun has been beaming through the curtains. There. It looks like a lovely day. Enjoy is, the rest of it. It's a gorgeous day. It's like almost 20, I think, today. Out of nowhere. It was freezing the last couple of days. It's is just that, like little, is that, little, that little chicken wrap on the desk I can see behind you? Uh, God knows. <laughs> I wouldn't look too close in this office. <laughs> you smell it. It does. <laughs> Might be off. Uh, Zach, see you for the semi-finals thanks again for that great prediction that's all right i'm just looking it's going to get up to a lovely 15 degrees here in leeds tomorrow but it's going to rain so yeah. lovely warm though we'll take the warmth uh and will clean your room that's that's the <laughs> advice after that that's the takeaway right thank you very much for listening we'll be back on friday until then see you soon Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.